0: Well, welcome back to Micromobility. Um, we have today uh, Michael Naka on the call with us. Um, how are you doing today, Michael?
1: Hey, it's great to be here. I'm doing really well here in Portland, Oregon. Excellent. You're coming and, in real
0: uh, clear. Uh, and Horace, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm actually
2: in Spain, in near Alicante, and uh, you are, I take it, in New
0: Zealand. I am, yeah. Wow, we've got like uh, all all parts of the globe represented here, more or less. Could could you give us an intro on you on yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I uh, I become fascinated with the micromobility market, uh, you know, industry over the last twelve months. Uh, but that that had to do with me being in the transportation industry over the last four or five years. Uh, which, you know, to give a little context, happened by accident (laughs) where uh, I actually got in a pretty bad car wreck here uh, in the States where I got smashed between two vehicles, Um, and luckily I I, uh, escaped without too many injuries, but I decided not to buy another car uh, because that so happened that same week Uber actually entered into the Portland market um, and so I said, "Hey, let's give this a try." And I kind of, you know, got introduced to this new multimodal mobility as a service type uh, uh, um, product. Um, and I found it, you know, quite fascinating what what it enabled me to do, and it allowed me to use public transit and other way, modes to get uh, around the city. Um, and, and at the same time, I was working at a tech startup doing developer tools and things like that. Uh, we got acquired. Uh, I had to find a new job around here in Portland, and I found this interesting little startup here in Portland, actually working on mobile payment technology for public transit agencies. Um, and I said, hey, that seems really interesting. Um, and I decided to join up with them working on product there, and it was called Sherpa. And about six months, nine months later, we actually were acquired by a you know, German automaker, uh, the, by the name of Daimler uh, auto group uh, and over the course of the last four years uh, we, we evolved via mergers acquisitions into this group called Movil group where we're actually building mobility as a service applications where we aggregated different modes into a single application with you know with routing and single payment whether it's full bike share transit taxi ride hailing car sharing and um, Anything you could think of. Um, so over the last four years, I've been working uh, at Google on product um, and thinking about the future of transportation. And as as you guys know and aware of, it's it's usually summed up in that acronym: CASE or ACES—Connected, Autonomous, Shared, Electric. And I, you know, I was having trouble with that because everyone in the industry, startups, VCs, my grandma was all talking about how cars will be autonomous, you know, in the next few years. And I just didn't see it coming. I became very skeptical. And so I uh, naturally started poking my head around, um, looking at, you know, uh, other narratives and other trends that were emerging. And that's how I stumbled across this dockless bike share phenomenon in China, Uh, the e-bike market rapidly accelerating. Um, And then last fall, a scooter sharing service in, in Santa Monica, California. And so I have just become fascinated with micromobility over the last 12 months Um, and actually uh, left Daimler back in March and I joined a a startup here uh, called Ride where we're actually building data tools uh, and dashboard for cities to help manage the incoming um, uh, adoption of micromobility and bike share and scooter share inside cities. And we work on compliance data Visualization planning tools to help cities uh, uh, take on this new new wave of transportation that's coming quickly in cities. Mm Hmm. Interesting. So you've you've you've
2: actually (laughs) gone through quite an evolution in the last few years, spanning spanning everything from uh, uh, mobility as a service to uh, being acquired and uh, uh, working with Daimler, and then. Getting involved with uh, with micromobility all within like two years—it sounds like.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been quite the journey, and I never thought I'd be working on bike share. <laughs> could I ask you? I mean, you
2: said without much explanation that you were skeptical of the autonomy story, and that um, everyone was talking about it, so you felt a bit of a contrarian. But besides intuition, how how, how do you uh, uh, rationalize your your skepticism?
1: Yeah, um, you know, being in, in the auto industry, uh, where you know these hundred-year-old companies are, you know, they're very good at manufacturing and working on building uh, these production systems, and at the same time, there's a lot of pressure coming from Silicon Valley and uh, investors and this you know press narrative of you know autonomy and ride hailing robo taxis things like that a lot of it felt like hype and (laughs) um, more marketing than anything (laughs) kind of you know you just saw very little evidence yes yeah there was very little evidence of like this is going to come in the next five years Uh, I think um, people are starting to feel that uh, not just in you know, OEMs, but also in the Silicon Valley startups as well, um, just because the use cases are so limited right now. And not everywhere is like, you know, the suburbs of Phoenix, uh, where you have wide roads, great weather year round, uh, and, you know, autonomous service could deploy there in a limited geofence use case right now. So, well, so let me, let me try to offer you
2: an answer that you can give others mm-hmm. and ask the same question. And that is uh, that if you were to look at the market, and and you can measure markets different ways. You can measure markets in terms of cars, in terms of trips, in terms of miles, or dollars even. And um, and if you if you if you try to look at some of these different quantities, you'll see that transportation follows a sort of a rule, and we uh, basically. Most trips are short trips. By short, we mean less than 6 miles or less than 12 miles. But but generally, distances that can be comfortably cycled, the the thing that that strikes you is that about, you could say, about half, in the U.S. at least, half the miles can go to micromobility, and half the miles can go and stay with a car. And that still sounds like, well, there's plenty of room for everybody. We're talking about 3 trillion miles which is a lot of miles. Of course, those which are short distance are not all gonna switch. We're gonna see some you know, gradual S-curve where that's gonna you know, be, be carved out by, by micromobility. And we, this is not controversial, but it's a question only, what, what is the limit there? But here's the thing that I think this analysis needs to go one step further, which is that a mile in a city in a short trip is worth more than a mile in the country. And a mile in, the, in, in a suburb is somewhere in the middle. And you can actually see this because, you know, your your taxi trip or your Uber trip is going to cost you more per mile than, than taking a road trip. The government tends to paint it all with one number, which is the amount you can deduct for your taxes. It's about 55 cents. The problem is that, again, that's not how people pay for miles. And if you then add in the dollars, so you, you, you've got trips you get miles, and now we get dollars. If you multiply the miles by the dollars, I suspect it's going to be overwhelmingly, it's like 80-20 rule probably. So 80% of the dollars are going to be addressable by micromobility. So then you have to ask yourself, why are billions of dollars being spent on on the 20% of the dollars that are going to be addressed by cars? This is the fundamental Failure, I think, in capital allocation going on today, where, where uh, as you said, OEMs, VCs, and a lot of people are fixated on solving or, or capturing 20% of the problem. That's how I see it. This is the essence of disruption, because you're not measuring the right thing. Usually, the disruptors are successful because they they get obsessed about something that nobody else cares about, and they're measuring the world differently. And so the measurement ought to be trips and dollars and not so much miles and miles is what everybody else is thinking and because they're only looking at miles without knowing that the distribution of those miles they're going to say well it's one giant pool of three trillion miles in the u.s and that's how we're going to carve it up that's the problem so sorry for the long answer but that, that i think it's needs to this yes. needs to be this needs to be highlighted
1: yeah yeah i absolutely agree uh with that in uh it, it, and that's, I think, where I came to uh, the last year, uh, was uh, seeing what was happening in China, seeing what was happening in Europe with e-bikes, and, and then Bird taking off in Southern California. Uh, it gave me the that, that proof uh, that people were willing to uh, switch to alternative modes and, and take a new mode uh, for new types of trips inside uh, urban centers of our cities.
2: Yeah, it's 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 pretty compelling, just anecdotally, and you're seeing it. You're seeing the numbers. You 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 publish on Twitter. I see your tweets, citing the bird data, uh, citing other data sets about what what. Uh, sharing companies are doing, and the Chinese have also published something about their business as well. Although it's a bit dated, the one I have is from pe- February. But the 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 really interesting thing is people see this and say, "Well, it's a it's it's a fad. It's not clear that this is this is for everybody. It doesn't work everywhere. What about the weather? What about yeah? What about yeah, safety? What about old people? What about disabled people? On it goes. Of course, you know that that is all true." But it's an S curve, An S curve means you get early, middle, and late. <laughs> well, as you go up the curve, you have enough cash flow to solve those problems, so that later people can be accommodated. It's all
0: about it's all about um, having a starting point and using that to leverage. Michael, you 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 seem to be tracking the evolution of these scooters. Um, really, really closely. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the ability of these, if these companies to be able to iterate quickly and where you see that going, like what sort of features do you do you see popping up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, you know, the, if we rewind about a year, um, there, there was a few trends happening, and prior to Bird launching, uh, the actual first scooter sharing service was, I believe it was in Singapore. Um, And they were using a few Chinese-made scooters um, from a company called Mini Motors. Um, And then you have this other giant called Ninebot Segway, uh, who is a robotics, personal mobility, electric mobility vehicle company out out of China, uh, who acquired the assets of Segway back in 2015. Uh, They were developing Segway uh, hoverboard-type vehicles and then in 2016, they came out with this scooter form factor, what I call the stand-up electric scooter, um, similar to the Razor scooters back in the early 2000s uh, with electric motor and uh, software on top. Um, Ninebot perfected that that design of... Um, uh, of the scooter form factor. Uh, And in combination with Xiaomi, uh, the the Chinese electronics manufacturer, uh, consumer company, uh, built the Xiaomi M365, uh, which was just a beautifully designed electric scooter, uh, a quality that I haven't seen personally anywhere else. And that's what we saw Bird buy in large quantities. Now you have this giant manufacturer OEM in, in China uh, Ninebot Segway, uh, providing you know hundreds of thousands of scooters. These operators who are you know sitting on top, Bird, Lime, are are actively spending R and D investment dollars in hiring vehicle engineering teams, and so that's where you know we've seen scooter iterations start coming out over the last year. Uh, Lime's first scooter, for example, was their own custom spec scooter they did in three months uh, from. Concept to production was three months, and they launched that in February. Um, the challenge there is that uh, these operators are underestimating the difficulty with electric vehicle scooter design, engineering manufacturing. Um, and, and Lime actually switched back to using built 9-bot built scooters uh, for <laughs> Interesting. Now. Yeah. uh and, and it seems like you know 95% of operators are using 9-bot for the vehicles right now. Um, but as I've noted, uh, you know, several are you know testing out. It looks like custom built design scooters uh, in the market. And for example, the latest uh, uh, Bird iteration looks to have a, a double battery pack. It's around forty pounds. Um, it provides a nice, solid, comfortable ride. Um, it, it has lights and disc brakes, things like that. Waterproof. Um, you know, and this is a company called Electizen out of, out of China, who's manufacturing. Um, but, you know, scooter operators have two customers. If you think about it, at the end of the day, it's the end users and also their chargers. Uh, and you know, the chargers are the, uh, the group of people actually picking up these scooters, uh, rebalancing them. Uh, uh, providing power, juicing them overnight, and then putting them out in the morning, um, and so you're designing really for two audiences right here, and, that, and that's where I find it fascinating. Where h- how will scooter, you know, vehicle design will evolve over the next six to twelve months, taking account for these two use cases with the, the rider demand and then the, the the chargers on the other side of the network. Um, but you know, it, it, we're again, we're really in the early days of this, and I, I assume we'll start seeing more and more different types of vehicles uh, being tested out in you know North America. Um, cash is being invested in vehicle design, battery management systems, um, and, you know, a whole plethora of new features. Um, and so that's what I'm really you know most excited about is because these operators are getting you know tens of millions of points of data on a daily basis. It actually help them craft w- what they should spend their time on in terms of vehicle design and engineering.
2: Just quickly on that, um, I believe that the scooter sharing is you know it started in, in Santa Monica. Although there was you're right, there was a, a predecessor in, in Singapore, um, but this is not more than a year old. And it's it's uh, to me, I've I've been looking at this for a bit more than that. And w- w- what it started out with were were bicycles. And bicycles are still very popular. I think bicycles are, are the preferred form in, in China and the preferred form in Europe. And you can argue that scooters might penetrate those areas, but they are, are very uh, difficult challenges for them. To begin with, in Europe, you can't have a throttle-based product unless uh, it's like in Germany, for example if you even have a hoverboard um, you, you need a, you need a license for it and it's not permitted on the road um, and you, you have much stricter enforcement also what where you can and cannot ride and, and we we have to see how well even works in, in in colder or wetter or, or snowier climates micromobility is not about one form factor it's about multiple form factors and i think we're going to see uh, the, the segmentation occurring, and again, the, the, I'm hoping that this idea of trip distance becomes becomes uh, appropriate for this segmentation. So we'll see zero to let's say zero to three miles scooters under certain conditions. Um, then three to say ten miles, uh, or three three to five miles will be. Maybe regular bicycles, and then five miles to eight miles. We're going to have electric bicycles, and then possibly even so-called speed pedelec, which is which is up to about thirty mile an hour bicycles. And those are those are already in Europe. You can therefore cover uh, up to you know something around fifteen miles comfortably, and um, and that, that's how people will move. And then you get back to the mass idea or mobility as a service. And the user should not be forced to switch apps and to figure out, how am I going to transfer from one to the other? Rather, your journey should be pre-planned for you, and you'll be told, take this vehicle to this other vehicle. So I I think there's room for a lot of experiments to go. And to your point about there being a a lot of engineering potential, I, I think this is exactly right, because... Both the bicycle business and the scooter businesses, n- n- there's not a lot of R&D going on. And, and if there is R&D, it tends to be on the more mundane side of things, not going in the direction of making it more rugged and more for the, the, the fleet management or operations. Your operational expenses are always going to affect your bottom line. And so the costlier it is to balance the network, to, to like, you know charge the network and, and, and so on, and, and to repair the bikes... The, or, or vehicles, then the more your opex in your, your goes up, and your margin goes down. Now, an alternative would be to invest in capex, meaning invest in the vehicles, make them better vehicles, and thus reduce your operational expense. So you could in- invest in that by through R and D, and you develop engineering. Uh, um to to solve the, the vehicle problem and maybe you, you end up with the cost of your vehicle because you have to amortize that r d this is the the challenge for investors right now um, is that the the assumption is that the vehicle ought to be as cheap as possible so that that vehicle is paid off as quickly as possible and and so if you were to pitch an investor hey my idea is that we spend the 20 million dollars to engineer a better scooter, they're going to say, well, there's scooters on the shelf, go get them in China. So there's not that, there's not an appreciation, which reminds me of Apple, because Apple is the company that came into the phone market when everybody said, hey, phones are a commodity. You know, they're coming down in price to $30 for a very cheap phone that we can sell in Africa. Um, And and so we got put billions of people onto the phone networks. And what happened? Apple came with a product that really attracted users, that was really amazing to use, that said that the value is not in the network, the value is in the device. Now, of course, that was a thing you had to buy. We're talking about shared things, so those are different. But is the user experience important? Will, will we get to the point where people say, well, not all scooters are equal or rather the whole experience end to end is not equal. Uh, so whoever is able to figure out even what the question is, what is the right question for a development point of view? This is, this is where I think we're, we're going to figure this out in a year or so. But, but I think this is where the mind should be concentrated right now. To me, it just feels like deja vu, right? And, and I think where it's going to come into micromobility isn't so much that a, a, a vehicle will feel necessarily better. I think it'll be partly that you said these, these fleet
1: chargers. Um, chargers. Yeah.
2: Those folks need to be served. Yep. But also, the the consumer is going to want to have more safety over time. I think that's going to come up. And also, safety is, con- is a big consideration for the operators uh, because they're going to end up in, in lawsuits. Um, and so people are going to start to think, Hey, what about ABS? What about traction control? What about um, assistant braking because you know a, a, an obstacle is detected? And these will save us so much money and so many injuries. And then you know what is it, what is required to do those things are exactly the things that computer people are 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 known for sensing and compute, right? And 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 so then you're going to have to hire engineers to do those things and who's going to do it? Is it going to be done in China and then wait for that cycle to go through? Or is it going to be done by the operator or maybe even the third party that steps up and says, you know, we're going to be a, a scooter engineering company. We might manufacture in China, but we're going to engineer the product for your fleets. And, and you come to us with, with what you need. And that's that's essentially what happened with the PC world and eventually to the to, to the phone world. So again, there's yeah. a sense of deja vu here. Yeah. Um, so... I, I guess I, I guess we're s- it's so early we're like in the yes. first inning <laughs> yeah. and and I'm talking about maybe about the fourth or fifth inning and not to mention what will happen with software and services that get layered on yeah. top which is going to be again seventh and eighth inning so so it's it, it's it's still very early and and it's but it's still amazing how fast it's gone right two years and we're already thinking about engineering vehicles right so far it's going a lot
0: faster than I ever imagined
2: yeah. so that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I guess, Michael, I'd, I'd love to hear your uh, your thoughts on how much of these scooters sort of solve the job to be done and what, what sort of developments you see coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, um,
0: in terms of hardware, right? Hardware or, 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 or even business model innovation yeah. and fleet management.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, like, to Horace's point, I, I mean, I was so skeptical of scooters I, it was I think it was at the last Micromobility Summit where I even heard about them, to be honest. Um, And, you know, it wasn't until December uh, I was really, you know, in LA and I saw, you know, the diversity of people, not just tourists, but, you know, women in dresses and heels and men in suits riding these things around and in Los Angeles of all places. Um, And so, you know, like, right now, uh, they're, they're... they're consumers, you know, consumer-facing scooters that are made or put in a sharing model right now, and so uh, these scooters are, you know, getting five, six, seven rides per day. Um, you know, within three, four weeks, they're pretty beat up, right? And so uh, one of the first developments, or I, I, where I would be looking, is how you know materials and how to ruggedize these scooters in order to face the daily bombardment of usage, uh, of rides and of getting knocked over or being in the back of a pickup truck or van on route in route to, uh, you know, someone's garage where they're getting charged overnight. So if you think about, yeah, you know, these, these things are getting, I'm sure, you, you know, everyone out there has seen the, the photos of hundreds of scooters in the back of a pickup truck or, uh, you know, a sprinter van and, and things like that. And so they, they're taking a beating, um, well, let me let me
2: give you a quick anecdote because mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the operations of the Swiss e bike system, and the the um, their bikes have been on the streets for two years, and they're expecting to have another two years of use out of those bikes. Wow! Their utilization is not that far off. I don't think I can talk about that, but the utilization is pretty high as well. Uh, they're used all winter as well as as, as all all year round. Uh, they're they're uh, uh, of course they're maintained, so there's a lot more work in in maintenance than 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 not. But the and this was a consumer product as well that was on the shelf, and it's not engineered for fleet use. But it 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 goes to show you that you get what you pay for, as far as 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 far as the vehicle is quality is concerned. And the thing that's that frustrates me is on the scooter side is that. I think driven by unit economics, the, 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 the expectation is that you've got to have a very cheap vehicle. But, but think about one other thing is, is how long does it need to be charged? Uh, this is, again, operational insight here. If you're saying that a, a, a Santa Monica scooter is used five times a day, well, given its charge uh, on board, that probably needs charging at least twice a day then. That would that would be my guess. And, you know, I think it could probably do three rides, typical distance, before it needs a recharge. Now, the the system in 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 Switzerland gets this. The charging uh, cycle is once a week. And and these are very heavy vehicles, but they have one kilowatt hour on board, and they have swappable batteries, so you can actually do the do the charging. in a a central office and then just take the battery to the bike and do the the charge there. So your operations costs are completely different. In fact, you don't need a, a whole set of people to do this. So you can see how investment in the vehicle, investment in operations, can really change the economics. Now, people might say, hang on a second, there's a lot more upfront cost, and there is. But you might make it up long term. So this is where the investment Community needs to get their head around this. There, I think this is the fundamental issues is that they're all being pitched, and they're all hearing the pitch about unit economics, saying, "Okay, you got to you got to drive the the bomb or bill of materials down on the vehicle as much as possible." In fact, you, you even have to get a get, get enough supply because there's not enough capacity in manufacturing to, to serve all of you guys. So, who gets who gets access to the to the to the to the supply chain is really important. But that, to me, is not important long-term. What's important long-term is to balance engineering and vehicle design with operations and uh, operational expense to figure out what's that's, the right mix.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So d- just, just to follow up on that one point, Hor- Horace, so they leave them on the street overnight because I can just imagine that sort of like in some ways there's, you know, I, I think about the U.S. model and I'm like, man, you know, the, the vandalism that you'd, that you'd face uh, and yeah, Michael, you probably have a. I've seen you post pictures on Twitter of those of those uh, scooters just being completely stripped down overnight. Um, the, the, the yeah, just the sort of the risk that's um, that's there, and it's funny as well because in some ways it's sort of like Europe. I don't know. I just I have this image of Europe as being slightly more civilized than the US, especially on the streets at night. Um, but well, we, yeah, whether or not that works, there's work,
2: ways to engineer know. this. Here's the thing: if you if you give your vehicle su- sufficient uh, capabilities, here's what could happen to mitigate the vandalism and, 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 uh, and theft. What you can have on board is, is cameras. Of course, you might do so for, for sensing purposes, you might do so for data collection purposes, but I see these things eventually being enabled with several cameras that essentially give you a 360 view. And, that, that they, and they capture data just like cars do, uh, you know, very, very much in continuous. Now, if they detect that there's, there's any problem with the vehicle, whether, you know, it could be an accident, you know, because they can detect the g-forces, they can detect whether the vehicle is upside down or if it's, if it's right side up or if it's fallen down or something like that. And it could trigger an alert. It could also take a picture. Now, if there's a thief or if there's a vandal and they're starting to mess with the vehicle, it could sound the alarm and saying, this vehicle is, is being, you're being, you're being recorded right now and, and your picture has just been uploaded. Now, how much would that would deter them? Now, what are they going to do, wear masks? Perhaps, what are they going to do then is, is, is take the vehicle elsewhere and try to do it out of, out of sight. But then you also have GPS on board. And you can say well, we're tracking you so the amounts of steps required for you to mess with this thing will be like you got to cover up you got to v- provide an rf cage for the vehicle so it doesn't doesn't call home you you, you got to somehow <laughs> disable it and now who, who would bother especially you know if these are opportunistic thieves now if it's organized thieves that's a different story organized crime can attack all kinds of infrastructure you know they can strip Copper out of cables, they can tear up railroads and do all these things to 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 collect raw materials. Then they do this, by the way. But and 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 to deal with them, you you, you've got to have a different approach. But I'm just saying, if if your worry is is an opportunistic thief or an opportunistic vandal, I mean, you you can you can mitigate that. It's just the same thing we had with phones again. Again, I sound like an old man again. But we had phones; people stole them a lot. But then Apple implemented a thing called. you know find my phone so so find find my iphone has means that you know if anybody steals it we can disable it and and you know unless they really are very clever again and it does still happen um, they have to go through several extra steps in order to really make money doing that so what i'm saying is you can mitigate it and you you, you, if, you if you if you work on this you also create behaviors because what happened again with the swiss is that there's more vandalism on the cheap bikes than there is on the expensive bikes. And the reason is because there's a lack of respect. They, they treat the better bike like you would a better car as well. But, but the, 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 the thing about a bike is that nobody hates bikes. Well, they hate them if they're polluting, but if they're really pretty and nice, they, they like bikes. So, so it's, a, it's a question of how you position the product. I think we've got to move our thinking beyond utility and saying, okay, what is the cheapest dollar per X dollar per vehicle, dollar per mile, dollar per trip. Two kind of what do people feel good about? What 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 are people willing to pay more for? What is where is where is the quality uh, advantage? And this is this is something that all industries evolve into eventually because you have something called segmentation so you will provide a low-end product the middle product and the high-end product and these products are typically there because there are different types of people and so this this is how we're going to probably end up here as well so that's my that's my thesis in general it's a, it's a marketing 101 thesis it's like segmentation happens mm. let's let's plan for it as opposed to right now we're just kind of stumbling along trying to figure out well, let's just get it to work first first of all right and that's where we are again
0: Interesting. Uh, Michael, is there anything anything in, in particular that you wanted to, to share with listeners in terms of um, things that you're thinking about? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's something really interesting here in the U.S. North America is uh, how cities are approaching dockless mobility. Um, you know, everyone knows the Uber, Lyft, TNC story uh, in the U.S. where uh, these companies, you know, steamrolled cities, they came in and started operating uh, uh, you know, with little regard to what what the local municipal authorities thought of them, um, and uh, you know, cities have learned their lesson, and you can tell already. Uh, you know, with the San Francisco s- scooter, even e bike ban, um, Santa Monica cracking down, Portland enforcing this permit pilot process, uh, cities are are more prepared this time around for. Uh, these private mobility operators, you know, barging in and, and dropping hundreds, thousands of scooters on the streets. And I, th- I find it really fascinating uh, because there's several different approaches we're seeing cities employ right now, um, especially around data sharing, fee structure, things like that. Um, and also with caps Like like one one one. I know Horace talks about this, and it's often it comes up in conversations. How many scooters or e-bikes or you know other types of dockless vehicles should be allowed in a given municipality and geography? Um, and we're and we're seeing cities all over the board from hard caps of you know four hundred in Washington D.C. to Seattle just introducing uh, upping their cap from ten thousand to 20000 20, plus bicycles in the city. And then you have Santa Monica, where where they uh, are doing dynamic caps based on utilization. So scooters and e-bikes have to hit three trips per day in order to keep increasing the fleet size. And so yeah, it's, it's fascinating how cities are 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 responding to these new mobility operators. You know,
2: when I when I get a call from a reporter uh, or or journalist who wants to talk about micromobility. Number 1 thing they want to know is exactly this how our city's going to react. Yeah. And I think this is a hot button topic. But you know what it what was a hot button topic with phones back in the 90s? It wasn't that. It was are we all going to get cancer from phones? And 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 study after study would sort of be done and they would all contradict each other and I haven't heard much about this for about 10 years. I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to make light of it, but the utility value, the the environmental impact, the satisfaction, the increased utilization of, of the vehicle, like you said, you know, Santa Monica wants to do a utilisation-based, all these things demonstrate that this is a viable product-market fit, and people like it, and, and so... What, what what the what the the pushback is and, you know i follow a few people who are sort of city planners and uh, and many of them are anti car nowadays um, and they're saying well you know cities are obsessed about controlling micro mobility but cars are killing people every day on their streets and you know they're they're not they're not doing anything about that um, so the, what 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 their advice is you've got to give room to these new entrants in terms of Street uh, access and, and parking and and um, uh, you know just just uh, just enable them and, and and good things will happen. So I think it's a it's a question of again of time. I think the value proposition is very strong. A lot of the aggressive players though are very aggressive because because they have well they have economics to deal with, they, they, have, they, have, they have a tough fight on their hands. A lot of these guys are not gonna make it. A lot of these startups are not gonna make it, let's face it. Um, and, and so they feel like in order to fight for their survival, they've gotta be aggressive and many times break rules. But my, my, my as far as the, the cities are concerned, they need to get, get eventually aligned. Don't forget the car when it was new, there were all kinds of dr- draconian measures to control it. Um, from having you know a guy with a flag in front of the car, you know, to walk, and it scared the horses, it, it, it killed people, it was, it was polluting, all these other things happened early. But somehow people figured out that it delivered more than it, than it took. So at least for a while, and now we have the inverse happening. So anyway, I, I, I think we got to keep an eagle eye on, on cities and we got to engage with them, but we also have to appreciate that the long term, It may not be that long. It might be only five years. It'll be very normative. It'll be very common. And there'll be policy uh, 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 sort of people, like with Uber,
0: at first it was like, is this thing legal? <laughs> people weren't even sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and it's also and people don't people don't really care. I mean, that that was the that was the thing that um, you know in some ways yeah. ended up banking on when when it was operating and Lyft as well. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's like well, the, the the social consensus around what the rules are change over time once they realize that there are alternative options, and I think that'll be the case yeah. with micro mobility.
1: Yes, as well. uh, we're we're yeah, already I seeing that, that. Think, yeah. We're seeing that in you know D.C. And, and San Francisco, where there's grassroots efforts uh, for for uh, starting petitions to increase caps or enable e-bikes and scooters to come into San Francisco. And
2: we'll have we'll have people in the streets. We'll have you know rallies and, mm-hmm. and demonstrations, and we'll have political action. and 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 it might get ugly, but. Uh, you know, this will be a dividing, uh, you know, there'll be vested interest to try to keep things the way they are and so on. Um, I, I think the, the political process is what it is. It's ugly. But what, what tends to happen is because there's a sort of a fear of missing out. Uh, is some cities who, who lead, who will lead, will, will show how much value they create for the citizens. And other cities will get yeah. jealous. I think that's what happened with 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 uh, with, with ride hailing is like you had Austin banning for for various reasons ride share or or ride hailing and then pretty much a couple of years go by and they're like whoops you know. We're gonna reverse that. We're
0: back yeah. in the dark ages. Yeah, for sure.
2: yeah, because I mean, the people, the people in that city were like, "What the hell? This is awful!" You know, you know, I, I go, I go travel somewhere, and it's it's like it's it's a land of milk and honey, and I come back home, <laughs> and it's misery. Well, what are you doing? No, so this sort of thing is is gonna happen here, um, and 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 there's nothing like. Uh, you know, divide and conquer as a technique, because what you're doing is you're going to go to cities that because again, it's early adoption versus late adoption. So you're going to have cities which are early, and then yep. you're going to have cities which are late. And the way the way, by the way, diffusion the theory works, and it's, it's rooted in sociology. the Diffusion theory is is uh, is saying that you know what we have is a process of imitation as you go up the curve. So some people, it's in their nature to try new things. And they actually get a big, big, big uh, boost. They get a big, uh, 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 they get a, a adrenaline hit trying new things. And so they do it because it's fun, even though it may not actually work. So that's the characteristic of that psychological profile. And other people who are sort of on the fence about new things will watch the first group. If the first group is actually having so much fun, they're going to try it. And then on and on it goes. So eventually, the laggards are the people who actually feel really miserable trying new things they get the they get the opposite effect they get anxiety and 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 they feel really ill if they do that but eventually the system by the time it 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 improves so to such a degree that that it addresses their concerns so they're not actually trying a new thing because it's an old thing and not only that but it's 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 gotten so easy and so good by the time the laggards are switching they're going to be these vehicles are going to be safer and they'll be more more comfortable and they'll be more protected and, and it'll work in all environments and then, and then at that point it's a fait accompli, it's a done thing it's, it's, it's like um, there's no reason not to do it. so that, that's what I expect will happen yeah. Now the only question then you know you know the model, you know the social model so the only question is is this fast or slow? Really that becomes a debate. I'm convinced that it's going to happen. I just
0: don't know when yeah <laughs> yeah excellent well look that's a probably a brilliant uh, that's a brilliant place to finish um, but look uh, really really want to thank you very much Michael for, for coming on and, and sharing with, uh, with us and the listeners yeah
1: thanks for having me Yeah,
2: we want you back we want you back are you coming to <laughs> the, are you coming to micromobility yeah
1: I am Yeah, that would be great thank you guys alright thank you